Sí. Yeah! When that speaking spell voice comes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to ELC. Especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks. Using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Oh boy, I ran a lot this last weekend. I'll get to that. Hey, maybe you're maybe you're not running. Maybe you're uh, maybe you're taking the dog for a walk, or maybe you're just outside hanging out, lying in the last bits of summertime sun. Maybe you're doing chores. Maybe you're doing the dishes. Whatever the case, we're going to be in your ear holes for ninety plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free, thanks to our patrons over at patreon.com slash dlcpod. They bring the show to you because they're awesome, but in return, they get some cool stuff. You could be one of them. They get ad-free episodes. They get video versions of the show, although not this week. I, I don't, don't make me explain it. We're not doing it this week. Also, they get an entire bonus show called Paid DLC, where we, Christian and I, are joined by the amazing, the wonderful Lana Bashinsky talking all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, we had a really fun one last week. Hilarious. Lots of uh, feedback on that one. You could be one of those listeners. All you got to do is sign up at patreon.com slash DLCpod. DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who maybe was kind of hoping I wouldn't show up today, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Hello, Jeff. Speaking of being the guy who was maybe hoping you wouldn't show up today, uh, we need to give a shout out to Subside over on the Discord for creating the most incredible thing. I saw it posted over there. I think last week after we recorded the show is when it hit. And that it's was DLC. Parting gift, Christian. You're stealing my parting gift. I'm not burying this. I didn't know that. I'm not burying it's, this lead, my we friend. We have a document where we list the parting gifts. Jeff, I do you know what? Okay, all right. Sorry, guest. You're a wonderful guest. Peeling back the curtain on this onion a little bit. Uh, yes, we have a list, and my friend, yours says user database of openings. Isn't that what you're about to explain? Do you know what that is? When you Google what the heck that is, that's chess moves. <laughs> and you and your son have been playing chess, so I was like, oh, cool. Jeff's super into chess. <laughs> Okay, you tell me what you were talking about, and then let the audience make the two plus two equal four. Well, no, of course, when you put it next to each other, it's like, of course, that peanut butter and that jelly sandwich is delicious. But when you see them separate miles apart and you Google it, it doesn't make any sense. So I am talking about DLC's labeled catalog, you know, the name of the thing, DLC's labeled catalog, not user database of openings. Come on. What is it? Created though? again by Subside over on the Discord. Do you know what it is, Jeff? Is it, it is a database? A, yeah. a database, a user yeah. created of every opening for the yeah. show. Okay. Yeah. If only every that was <laughs> single opening. All uh-huh. of go back. Go back to episode 13. Uh the man or 14, the man whose life is meaningless now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it has it's... the guest's name. It has the acronym for DLC. 
It's incredible. It has it's an incredible amount do, of work. Incredible amount of work. to do with chess. Zero we're, to do with chess. We're at episode 458, over eight years of episodes. And Subside has gone crazy and uh, cataloged it's, them all. It's, it's an amazing resource. An amazing thing. Yeah. That I was, I was going to talk about in my parting gifts, and I got to come up with a new parting gift. Well, you can talk about chess, apparently, because I thought... <laughs> And now, yes, of course, it's clear user database of openings, show openings. Yes, I get it. But I was like, I was like, I wonder what that is. That's interesting. And then every single result, if you Google that, is chess opening moves. Databases don't, of chess, like Jack does don't this, Google Jeff me. does that. Don't Google stuff. Just ask me. I'm right here. Anyway. You weren't, right, we, hey, You we weren't. Got, you were 14 miles deep in the night, my friend. Christian, we can work out our misunderstandings for hours and no one will be interested. But we have so much we need to get to. We have so much we need to get to that hopefully isn't a misunderstanding. Uh, we had Gamescom opening night live. It, it, it's so much, so much. To, we got a packed show, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm here to tell you, we have an awesome guest to go through all of that with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I am so excited because DLC stands for your downloadable Casey. See what I did there? Because we have author, TV writer, host, and VP of creative and development at Nerdist. Dan Casey's back with us. Hey, Dan. Hey, thank you guys so much. I'm so thrilled to be back here. Yeah, it's been too long. We've, we I haven't know. talked to you in quite a while. How, how have things been? Things have been uh, pretty good overall. I've been working on my passion project of cataloging each and every one of your openings and then <laughs> translating those into a chess opening. But uh, now it feels like my efforts were wasted uh, because I was beat to the punch. So I'm just going to delete that and uh, focus on all these amazing video games we're going to talk about. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, I love it. Uh, wonderful. Okay, well, then let's get right to it and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send us comments or questions, anything you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Or, and... You could join one of our awesome communities. We have a subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And we also have a Discord, which is also 5x5dlc on Reddit. Really fun folks hanging out in both of those places. So I urge you to take part. Uh, but Dan, you know, I definitely want to get to all the Gamescom stuff. But I thought I'd ask, because you are our guest, there are other interesting stories that happened this week. So if, if you would prefer to start with that... You get first pick of stories. So what would you consider to be your story of the week? Wow. This is uh, a responsibility and a privilege I was not prepared to <laughs> undertake. Uh, I would actually say that Gamescom to me is the story of the week because they just announced so many things there. Yes. And it got me really excited for everything coming down the pipeline this year, next year, and beyond in gaming. Yes, I mean, I think Christian, you and I have both been uh, pretty critical of uh, of the last couple of things. Keeley's last big presentation was the Summer of Games, and I think we were both pretty underwhelmed at the uh, the showing there. The e even the sort of presentation of it, the grouping together of a lot of stuff that really looked pretty similar, and it just it just felt kind of disappointing. I won't speak for you, Christian, but I, I it sounds like Dan uh, and I agree that. 
this one brought the goods. I felt like the show was exciting. It was long. It was long. It was two hours. But there was a lot of really cool stuff shown, the variety of things. It didn't feel like we were grouping together a million, you know, survival space things. Uh, it felt like there's just constant interesting stuff shown. I thought the presentation was was really great. Uh, Keely just looked dazzling in his leather jacket. I mean, it, it, there was, it, was, it was working on all cylinders. Uh, but Dan, I'm curious, uh, do you have a, a, a one or a few... Uh, of the highlights for you of the games that were shown. Yeah, I I mean, there's a ton that uh, really leapt out at me, but the one I'm most excited for is the one that I backed on day one of the Kickstarter campaign, and that is Auden, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Auden Chronicles 100 Heroes. It is phenomenal. It is the spiritual successor to Suikoden, one of my all-time favorite JRPGs for the PlayStation, the PlayStation 1. Mm. Uh, and it is sort of... A throwback to turn-based uh, JRPGs of yesteryear where you have all of these dozens and dozens of recruitable characters, all of these mini-games. The graphics look stunning, too. It's kind of like uh, 2.5D, I think is the term they're running with, where yeah. you know it's intended to look uh, a little bit uh, more, de- more in-depth than just uh, a 2D game back in the day. But it really just uh, fills my heart with joy seeing something made in this vein and if they can make something that's half as addictive as the iron chef mini game from sui code 2 i will uh 3d print my hat and then i will eat it <laughs> uh this is 505 games is publishing Uiden chronicle 100 heroes uh rabbit and bear studios is the developer it does look really really pretty um this was one that was not on my radar clearly you were had, had known about it and, and packed back the kickstarter uh, I had no idea about this game, but it does look really cool. Uh, I love turn-based RPGs. So, uh, and the, the graphics are just phenomenal. It doesn't, you know, we've seen a number of this, um, you know, sort of tilt-shifted uh, 2.5D stuff uh, lately, but it doesn't look like, um, all the titles are leaving my head of the other ones, but uh, it doesn't look like any of those other like, ones. Like uh, Octopath Traveler yes. and... Uh, what was the other one? Oh, Project Triangle Strategy. Yes. This rolls off the tongue. <laughs> and like a Death Death of Dead, I think, is another one. Oh, li- um, yeah, Live Alive. Uh, live Alive. Um, it, it really, I think it's it's using that in a different way than any of those games. The 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 character sprites are taller and kind of, uh, it, it's zoomed in a bit more than those games. It really does look striking. I'm, yeah, I'm and the combat in the original games, the Suicoden ones, were super compelling. Um, it was really just kind of surprisingly deep and very addictive. So it's nice to see it looks like that's been preserved here as well. Yeah. Tons of stuff, tons of stuff to talk about from Gamescom opening night live. Uh, Christian, I mean, we got we got more. The, the ones we knew we were going to get were more Sonic Frontiers, more of the Harry Potter legacy game. Uh, those did show more, but there was a lot of surprises. Do you have any top hits that uh, make your list of most anticipated? Yeah, when I'll I'll just say that opening night live was definitely better, right? Like it was no Grob's attack, which is just you know what a travesty of a chess opening Grob's attack is. Anyone who plays knows. <laughs> Did you just Google <laughs> chess openings? No, it's a terrible move that White would make, right? Like, yeah, sure, it has. You could maybe like 
scare a noob with it, but like it's not it's not worth it, you know. So uh, this presentation was much better than the Grob's attack. Year eight, um, we're veering off, we're just doing just z- zigging when people think we're going to zag, and just turning into a full chess podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, checkmate, losers. Um, that's chess, right? That's what you say every time you defeat someone. (laughs) Hey, dice, luck, and cardboard, my friend. I don't know about your chess. uh, None of those involved in chess, but that's okay. I have the finest plastic and cardboard set a real master could uh, could ever own. Uh, (laughs) It's Lord of the Rings uh, treatment. Um, Honestly, and people already know this as they're probably just yelling at me, waiting for me to say it. The biggest thing to come out of Gamescom opening a night live for me is the DualSense Edge. The really? DualSense Elite, so to speak. The wow. back back paddles, the Sony PlayStation 5 equivalent of the Xbox Elite controller. I love my Elite controller. I love back paddles. I love the back paddle attachment on the DualShock 4. And seeing Sony making one, an official one, that does all the cool DualSense-y things and also has all the other whiz-bang stuff that the Elite has been doing now for you know, two console generations are onto their second now is really cool. The changeable sticks, the back paddles and still having the haptics and all that other stuff. It, it's very exciting. I'm bummed that it was just a, uh, Hey, we're making this, you know, like no price, no time or release window or anything like that. But that super, super excites me. And then the other thing that I actually missed when it started, cause it, it started the show and you texted me about, and I had to go back and watch. I mean, everywhere, has to be the biggest possible cool thing also what is everywhere (laughs) right now right like it's former uh, gta lead building a game that is quote an open world game aiming to blend thrilling gameplay creativity adventure and discovery in a multi-world experience like (laughs) the best part is pull that off it's the best part is it's literally bring, everything. They bring the developers on to clarify. Yes. And they talk for five minutes and I got literally no more clear understanding of what the heck it's supposed to be. It's, it's <laughs> like, a bring the developers on. So what is everywhere? Where we're hoping it's a place where gamers can do whatever they want anytime, all the time. An uh, immersive what? experience like no other. <laughs> it has, I mean, that's the thing. It has all the right buzzwords that feel like rightfully like, lull inducing but also we live in a world where like how else do you describe what Fortnite is now or roblox or Minecraft? you know it's like how do you just it's a game yeah we did they didn't want to use metaverse in it you know right yeah how do you it's the it's the big thing we're making we've we're making the big thing everyone's trying to make and well if they pull it off hell yeah this is every man's sky (laughs) <laughs> i like it well christian i don't yeah. know if you heard but evidently it was confirmed that this will be an nft game oh i did not hear that okay let's go back to the dual sense edge <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think I they uh, pointedly left that out of the presentation but uh, uh that yeah i read an article that supposedly that has been confirmed that this will be an nft game so uh, everywhere is, uh, you know, get your NFT and, and bring it to life inside the thing. I think uh, that that puts a little bit of a black cloud over it. Do you know one place me. it won't be? My house. <laughs> one place <laughs> not, everywhere will everywhere, not be. It's actually, it's, it's, there's a subtitle. <laughs> everywhere except Christian's house. <laughs> uh-huh. Everywhere colon uh-huh. 
except Christian's house. Man, yeah. that, uh, I mean, I haven't looked that up clearly, and I didn't watch more than what the presentation was after you texted me about it. But I don't know. I found that presentation to be oddly exciting, where it's like a developer mm-hmm. and team with the bona fides to pull it off, you know, and like the gumption to take a huge swing. Um, so this new information I'm getting, <laughs> this just in. <laughs> this is breaking out. news in my ear. I mean, I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I yeah, mean, look, yeah. maybe they can finally make the first NFT game that's actually worth playing as opposed to just stuff that's been cobbled together with old flash animations and grift. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's maybe, maybe yeah. that is the optimistic uh, Pollyanna look at it is, hey, maybe this is the thing that proves NFTs are not garbage, right? This is like could, could be uh, it could be a positive video game experience that you own part of. The, the thing that bums me out is that all of the thing we were joking about before you knew that Christian is very much in line with typical NFT type experiences, which is vagaries and big Mm. promises of with no specifics, you know, just like, it's we want it to be a thing where you enjoy being, doing all the stuff. And it's like, but that's not anything you've not explained anything. And that's what worries me about it. It's like, we're making it. It's going to have NFTs. What do I do? You enjoy. But what? What am I going to be doing? You, you enjoy seeing how rich I get. Experience. Yes. Uh, Whatever like you do, other. don't funge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, man. But it was an interesting way to start the show. I was, it was, it was like, a oh, way to, yeah. Yeah. I got to yeah. say, for me, I mean, we have tons of stuff we could talk about. But for me, the biggest oh, surprise, honestly, was the sort of uh, mic drop that had been spoiled, as many mic drops are, uh, which is that uh, Dead Island 2 is actually coming as, you know, a game that was announced in 2014 or whatever. Talk and that I'm opening. actually excited about a zombie game again. I, <laughs> to me, that's the biggest surprise, is that I, I watched the Dead Island. I, as they started... as. Jeff Keighley was like, and now a game, you know, one more thing. It's a game we've all been waiting for a long, long time. And I'm like, ah, bummer. Ending the show with Dead Island 2. I don't care. And then they started showing it. And I was like, I think I kind of want to play this. I think this looks fun. Uh, The fact that it's set in Los Angeles, which checks notes, is not an island. But, you know, okay. All right. That's all right. Um makes it it makes me in particular excited because I lived in Los Angeles for so many years and know it so well. And I think it's always fun in a video game to explore an area that you know well and see how they interpret it and bring it into the, you know, virtual space. But, you know, I just kind of feel like the bright sunshine, killing zombies, having fun, killing zombies version of that game having it brightly lit, having it sort of tongue in cheek and not take itself seriously and have a good time. I'm kind of ready for Dead Island 2. I never thought I would be excited about that game, but here I am excited about that game. I appreciate Uh, this unbridled optimism because, (laughs) you know, I kind of was definitely in the other camp of like another open world zombie game in the year of our Lord 2022. Yeah. Uh, Especially coming on the heels of, uh, I think it was earlier this year, or maybe even last year, uh, Time is an Illusion, uh, Dying Light 2, which a game right. that can be brightly colored at times, but is mostly mm-hmm. just varying shades of brown and frowns, um, <laughs> which is very fun from like a traversal mechanic standpoint. But I, I'm just, I'm, I, with anything, I'll, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic about this. Like, I want it to yeah. be good. I, it's just been so long that I honestly 
thought it came out already. And I, st- I thought the time had just passed us by. Yeah. I actually texted my friend who I played a lot of the first Dying Light with uh, in co-op and was like, Dying Light 2 is finally coming out. And he responded, didn't it come out five years ago? And I went, no, it never did. No. Uh, so, yeah, there is there is that. But I, like I said, it's the biggest surprise to me is that I'm actually excited about that game because I never thought I would be, for all the reasons you just explained, that, you know, open world zombie is just, it feels tired. But I don't know, something about the presentation, something about the trailer and, and the tone of it, it just felt like, hey, you know what? I think I, that game looks fun. Christian, it, what, what was your feelings on that one? Yeah, well, for people who don't know, I mean, this game, it, it was Techland, I think, first, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. then Deep Silver came in, and uh, a different company was doing it for Deep Silver. And then Sumo Digital, Sumo Digital came in, and I was excited about that because I've liked some of the stuff they've worked on. And then they left, and now it's, um, I just I haven't pulled up to the tab, Dam Busters Studio, who is an internal studio of Deep Silver, so a different Deep Silver studio than was doing it before. And somehow, through all of that, it still has, uh, it feels like there's a tone that all these developers kind of enjoyed enough to kind of want to keep going. Like, I think these current developers have said they started, they basically worked on it as if it's the new game. They didn't use anything else that other studios have done. But I guess the common thread has kind of been bright upbeat zombie killing you know that first trailer was the roller skating down um venice and uh you know slot i guess the zombie was a roller skater i forget but again like cheeky and kind of funny approach to it and not dour and and super serious yeah and i think that's the thing that excites me the most is it feels weird to say but like this is an optimistic zombie game (laughs) like in this (laughs) current trailer the protagonist is like in this house that's not theirs you know drinking their life away and then gets up to go outside to get something it's daytime they discover a katana and are like heck yeah katana they pick it up they walk outside wave to their neighbor who's also slaughtering zombies that person like gives them a peace sign back or whatever and then that person continues to go and slaughter and it's like oh yeah this is fun you know and it's not hiding locked breathing you didn't I didn't get the appearance of like resource management, you know, resident evil style thing. And I think that does seem refreshing in a genre that is, you know, like a zombie itself, keep shambling forward. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic as well, but I'm more optimistic than I was before the Gamescom presentation. So there's that. Um, the other game that stood out to me, uh, is a new, uh, world premiere. Um, a game called Atlas Fallen, which is from Deck 13. And uh, this looks super sick. It, it, it's a, uh, a game set in a sort of sandy, duney play, not to be confused with Dune, which was also shown there, but is a. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's like sort an awakening. Of a, There's like a dune that's awakened. Don't don't confuse it with Dune Awakening, which was also shown. But this <laughs> right, is a, <laughs> right. Um, but it uh, looks like uh, shape shifting sand. Uh, magic really look cool traversal like they were skimming across the surface of the sand and then you know post show on this one was hey it's not a souls like it's more something akin to horizon zero dawn which made my ears perk up i'm like yeah i'm 100 percent in on atlas <laughs> fallen give me that game um looks really really beautiful we got no indication of when that will be or or you know how far along in development but it was a cool premiere uh from my perspective um 
Dan, do you have any other games that stood out to you? Yeah. Um, well, speaking of sand, well, I'd love to say uh, Dune Awakening. Um, I am very intrigued by that um, uh, just because I've been uh, just listening to the uh, Dune audiobooks lately. Um, the one that actually kind of blew me away was um, Moonbreaker, the yeah. game from Subnautica developer Unknown Worlds. It's a digital tabletop strategy game. Uh, basically, you build your own armies. You can paint these miniatures. Like It's almost like Warhammer 40K meets XCOM. And they got uh, Brandon Sanderson uh, to take a break from writing 17 books an hour to <laughs> write the story for this. Uh, and it just looks extremely up my alley. It's something that I wasn't expecting. Um, yeah. And it just looks like a ton of fun. I believe the my understanding is the uh, the call was, "Hey Brandon, can you uh, write a story for our game?" And he went, "Yeah, it's already in your inbox." It yeah, like, ah, how do you? <laughs> it's, how do you even do that? Look under your chair, <laughs> yeah. David Blaine, Street Magic. Yeah, what? <laughs> uh, I I agree. I love love Subnautica, and I think that developer is so interesting and, and cool, and they've supported their games in such such great ways. Um, and uh, it it seems like an odd game. To get a big uh, you know, fantasy writer to come up with the story for, because it feels like not the kind of game where story is front and center. It feels like a more mechanical experience yeah. than that, but interesting. Yeah, I think um, after after Elden Ring, maybe every fantasy author is like, I got to get in on this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hold on. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me tag in. 11 million copies sold of Elden yeah. Ring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> I have some ideas that won't make it into a book. I can do that. Um, yeah, no, I agree. That game looked really, really cool. Super standout for me as well. And um, it's going into early access very soon. So it's, yes, it's far this, along. This fall, I think, for yeah. uh, for Mac and PC. Yeah, very cool. Moonbreaker is what that's called. Christian, do you have another another pick? I mean, I think the thing that I'm very interested in, especially in my house right now, as my kids are on um, book seven, is Hogwarts Legacy, which... I'm glad it's not called J.K. Rowling's Legacy because that's a very mm. different game. Yeah. Um, but Hogwarts Legacy we've seen before, and now they're showing this trailer, the Gamescom trailer, was dark, which I think is an interesting side of that um, space and that fiction to kind of highlight because the books, um, I'll be vague because there are people maybe listening with their kids who also have yet to read them. Those books are dark. You know, they they start off not as dark and then as the series went on and the people who read book one when it came out you know got to book seven later it grew up with them and they deal with the dark side of magic and 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 stuff like that and i think it's fascinating to see the game potentially giving players that option like this trailer introduced more questions for me about what the game is going to be and gets me excited about it whereas before it's like oh this is a developer i like it's a property that you know, my kids and my wife are super into, so it could be fun to play on the couch and, and kind of play together. But I felt like I knew what the game was going to be. And now I'm not quite as sure what kind of that plot will be in that progression. And will I have choice and how mm. different is my experience than somebody else's experience? So I think it's a really interesting game right now that I think they're doing a good job PRing, you know, where it, it, it's not like laid out everything all at once. Um, and they're kind of, at least for me, managing to keep the hype factor up by showing new parts of it as they go. And I thought it was a really cool trailer for uh, how that world is presented. Yeah. And it, I mean, it looks gorgeous, that game. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Dan, did you have uh, any any Hogwarts legacy uh, In, feedback? I, I used to be a massive, massive fan of the franchise. And it, between uh, the Fantastic Beasts films, which are legally movies, and uh, <laughs> Jake Rowling uh, nuking her own legacy from Orbit, it's been a challenge for me to kind of immerse myself in that world and remind myself why I enjoyed it. And sometimes I revisit the movies. Like I'm, ex- I'm going to revisit the book someday with my kids. And it, it's just, I- I'm very intrigued by this trailer because this reminds me of, you know, you know what I would see in my head when I was reading it. And like that, this looks more like what I want from something Harry Potter related in 2022 and beyond. So I'm very excited to see what they can do. I'm excited to remind myself of, the aspects of this world that I really enjoy and that really resonated with me. And I like that they're delving into uh, the, all the weird secrets this castle's hiding. Yeah. And I, I yeah. like how they're going KOTOR with it a little bit too, right? Cause that kind of had the same issue of like, well, we don't want to tell those same stories. We'll do a prequel. Oh, crap. They've done a prequel. We definitely don't want to tell those stories, which is the same for Harry Potter, where it's like, we don't want to tell those stories. It turns out the secrets of Dumbledore are not good. Um, we had no good secrets. And they went like the, what is it, 200 years? You know, it's like that, again, yeah. like almost KOTOR-esque of, yeah, let's explore this legacy of this thing. And I think- Let's just yeah, that, take it into a time period where it just doesn't yes. touch any of the stuff we know. We can just have our own playground. Yeah. Yes, yes. 100%. Yeah, I like Sorry, that what were you going to say? Me? Yeah, I thought I cut you off. Sorry. No, no, no. I No, no, not at all. Um, I do, I feel like I need to ask you guys about some other specific games that were announced. Uh, I think one of the ones that was surprising to me and I think has got a lot of buzz online uh, is Lies of P, which is the, uh, I guess, sort of Souls-like Pinocchio retelling. And uh, Dan, we're, you know, we got two different Pinocchio movies, a Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio movie, a, another P- Pinocchio movie, and then this Pinocchio game. We're in a full Pinocchio-sance right now, I think. It's official, a Pinocchio-sance. Um, tell me what you thought about Lies of P. Lies of P. I am super excited for this game. Uh, they should not call it a Souls like it is Elden Strings because there are <laughs> strings on some of the puppets in this game. Uh, I am very intrigued by this. It looks much better than uh, I was expecting. If you were to just tell me the words Pinocchio Bloodborne, but <laughs> it, it looks like a blast, and I'm I'm honestly excited to see uh, them reinterpret um sort of classic fairy tale imagery like this and yeah i I think the hype for this one is well deserved and uh, i think everyone's sort of appetite for uh souls like games has been is a little higher lately because of the success of elden ring so i'm crossing my fingers because i really want this one to be good elden strings is very good very very good top top shelf uh christian um i don't i don't know if I'm in love with the title, Lies of P. Feels weird, but uh, the game looks pretty slick. What did you think? Yeah, well, the original name was Life of Pi, and they were like, oh, they've already... <laughs> Someone's done it? Very different story, too. It's uh, you know, still about survival, but just in a different way. Um, yeah, I, I think... I am curious, Dan, if we are going to be not in the Pinocchio-sance, which... Ugh, thanks, Jeff. Glad you made it back from your run, okay. Um, <laughs> um or where if if this you know souls like genre is going to continue to explode you know we had neo and some other game and even um oh gosh what's the 2d salt and sacrifice um 
you know, games that kind of play with this and uh, Ashes of something. I'm blanking on them, but there certainly were some. But I agree with you that Elden Ring blew up the genre in a really, really big way. And I'm curious if we will see more and more and more of these games where it, you know, you quit calling it a Doom-like and it gets its own actual title of some kind, even though Metroidvania we still use for everything. Um, and that, I think, is what intrigues me the most about Lies of P is can it be, you know, a 9 out of 10 game? Can it continue to push this genre forward in a real exciting way? Because the hard part about being perceived as an also-ran in the genre is that Elden Ring is really stinking good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's hard to be compared to one of the best games of modern memory, (laughs) if not longer. Um, So I think that's the challenge that it has. But I do like that to upgrade your sword, you lie to it and it gets bigger. I think that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, right in the same presentation, we saw Lords of the Fallen, which was one of the first, like also Rands, I would argue in the Souls-like genre get it yeah. re- instead of a sequel it's getting a reboot already it had one game lords of the fallen now we're getting the lords of the fallen instead of lords of the fallen 2 uh but that i mean that is basically what you're talking about christian is 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 that franchise was kind of doing souls stuff yeah yeah uh, and now i don't know that trailer didn't really wow me either but it, it feels, still feels like an also ran even though it is kind of rebranding in an odd way yeah it's an exciting genre, and I think one that people are going to try to hit. I also do like Lies of P in the sense that I, I like other studios examining these old stories that Disney has just you know put their stamp on as the only version of it. Even what they did was an adaptation of you know the original old story, and I think we had that the Renaissance of um, uh, what's his name McCree Alice um, uh, oh, Alice Ameri- games American McGee. American yes, movie, yes, thank right. you. Yeah, I, I thought of that too when I was watching it, that kind of darkening and retelling of classic fairy tales, yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited to see more of that coming from other studios as well. So I, I hope it I hope it sticks the landing and uh, pushes it forward. We got a, a number of kind of teasery things. Of, you know, I meant to say this at the beginning. One of the things that I found so awesome about this particular presentation was how many new IP were shown. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like the first time in, I can't even remember how long, where the majority of, of things shown were brand new IP, new franchises, not sequels, new things. Uh, and we got a, a, a couple of other ones that I thought I'd just uh, ask your opinions of um, because we don't really know much about them, but there's a new uh, big RPG from uh, one of the guys that made uh, Fallout and Skyrim uh, that is call, is going to be called... Um, weird song which looks uh, we got kind of a teaser of that like giving us a bit of a, a, a taste w-y-r-d. of why rd yeah weird weird song um and uh and then scars above uh is is another new uh ip and uh there was one more that uh fit into that mold as well what what where what winds was? meet where winds meet yeah which look very much like um um Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima. Yes, thank you. Yeah, what 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 was your take on those? Uh, uh I got to say uh, of those uh, weird song has me the most excited just because of the pedigree of the mm-hmm. folks behind mm-hmm. the studio, a uh, brand new studio, something wicked games. Um you have people who made uh Fallout 4, uh Skyrim, Fallout 3 as well and just someone else who worked on Fallout New Vegas, just a a, a bunch of really talented people from Bethesda and Obsidian teaming up. 
And uh, I believe there was an extensive interview about it over at IGN. Um, and they kind of revealed that it's, I think, set in like medieval Portugal. Um, wow. And it looks like an open world, like kind of occult horror RPG. And it just looks awesome. I was really, I really liked the stylization on the uh, teaser trailer we got. And I'm I'm on board for the ride based on the previous games these folks have worked on, and I, yeah. just as a, a history nerd as well, I'm just excited to see a, a, a unique setting like that. Yeah, I think NetEase uh, is awesome. a big backer for them, so they have like you know a serious player in the space mm-hmm. saying, "Yes, we think what you're working on has potential. Here's millions of dollars." <laughs> and I like one point two millions of dollars. Yeah, that's a I, and that's, I, I, it's barely an Activision. You know, it's like one <laughs> one thousandth of an Activision. I guess it'll work. Uh, I love big, ambitious role-playing games, uh, and it feels like we haven't really got too many of them that aren't sequels lately. Um, and I think it's awesome to you know set your flag on the ground and say, "Hey, we're making something big and ambitious in a in a very new uh, setting," which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian, any any uh, any other thoughts on uh, in, any of the other two? I know you were a huge fan of Ghost of Tsushima. Do you think that where winds meet looked a t- little too similar? Yeah, I don't know that that. I think you set the table really well for these, Jeff, where it's like, uh, you know, ask me again in 2025. Um, (laughs) I'm optimistic. And again, it's another um, era um, or I guess um, what I'm looking for, not motif, but like we don't, we haven't, people were clamoring for Assassin's Creed to do samurai stuff for so long and they never really actually went for it all the way. Um, And Ghost of Tsushima was such a hit. And then we had, um, uh, oh God the 2d game that was very stylistic and cool yeah. as well. Um, I put it on game pass and it was very fun. Um, someone's called? Googling it. Thank Trek you. Toyomi. Yeah. Trek to yep. Yomi. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and, and so I like seeing more of this. I think it still is a space that is underused versus knights and, you know, magic spells and stuff like that. Um, I, I think it's exciting. Uh, we'll see. Ask me again in 2025. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll wrap uh, up our coverage of uh, Gamescom with a, a couple of other questions. I don't know this for a fact, Dan, but something tells me you might like Killer Clowns from Outer Space, the movie, or have some affinity <laughs> what for a, it. What a cinematic classic. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Am I wrong on that? All right, the interesting IP to turn into a video game at the very least. What are your thoughts on that? It is absolutely not what I expected to be getting a video game adaptation. And it's actually, I believe, not even the first time it's been adapted into a video game. I thought they made one previously. I might be wrong here. Dan turns um, around, checks his shelf, finds his mint. No, no, there, one year there was a, uh, for the original, for the NES, there was a uh, a Killer Clowns from Outer Space uh, platformer that came out. Um, but I like I like this one. I'm just <laughs> again super super unexpected, super weird. Um, a multiplayer game based on uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, and uh, you know I've been playing a lot of um, sort of asynchronous multiplayer games. I like this. Uh, it seems like that's the case here as well. I think it's like it's three v seven. Yeah, you that, those <laughs> classic numbers three v seven. You either have it. two friends or you have six friends. There's nothing in between. <laughs> It's, it's such an odd I, I love just how they're going for it. it's 3v7 yeah exactly deal with it yeah but I, i've been playing like a lot of dead by daylight and things like that especially uh over the last couple of years so i i love a good sort of asynchronous multiplayer game 
And I like that you're not sort of a solo operative if you were playing as the clowns. Um, sort of the same thing yeah. with the Evil Dead game that came out. It's like, it's like sort of expanding that genre a little bit. And I think with Killer Clowns from Outer Space, you can have a lot of fun. Like they, I, like what I was seeing from that other game, VHS. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. That's sort of like a neon-soaked version of this. And this is just... You know, it, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is a preposterous, bloody movie, and I, I, I really hope they can capture the ethos of that and bring it into uh, into this game. Yeah, yeah, and you know, honestly, I, I, I laughed at at three v seven, but I think that's actually the coolest part of it is so many of these types of experiences. You know, you play as Jason, or you play, you know, it's one v everybody, and and that one it can be really fun, but it's also kind of lonely in, in a mm-hmm. weird way. And I love the idea that even the overpowered bad guy side of the equation has friends to coordinate with this time. Uh, it just it just seems like a cool twist on that. And I, I'm I think the internet seeing this and just how weird and and over the top it is, I think it it, it feels like this game is going to be a sleeper hit. And there's there's some cool elements to it as well. Like they, it's made by one of the um, directors of the Friday the Thirteenth game, and yeah. it's being made with the actual creators of the film and the original <laughs> composer too, which is pretty neat. The Kyoto Brothers and uh, John Masari. That is that is really cool. I, I would venture to guess that the vast majority of people that play this will have never seen the movie. <laughs> oh, if anyone out there has not seen this movie, it is well worth it. Cult classic it, yeah. in every sense of the word. Yeah. Very, uh, very of its time, but very, very fun. Um, I have a question for you, Jeff, because I feel like yeah. you've been asking and I want to ask you one. Ask me. Um, what were your thoughts on uh, what we've seen now of Return to Monkey Island? We talked about it when it was first announced, and now we yeah. see it moving and grooving. How are you feeling? It's soon too. It's pretty soon. soon. I love it. I can't wait. I'm excited. Uh, I, you know, I it, it just um, it it scratches my nostalgia itch in such a wonderful way, and it looks like a labor of love. I I haven't seen anything that has changed my opinion about how much I'm going to love it. So I, I hope I do. Um, did you expect it to have changed my opinion? I was. I feel like people reacted strongly to the visuals, one way or the other. Yeah, they're different. Some of them, when yeah, it's a different take, right? It's not. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. It's not an evolution of what it was, and it is a um, a, a bold take on what that world can look like. And it took me a little bit to sit back and be like, "Oh yeah, I, you know, it's capturing the essence of the characters in a really cool way. And I think it, it, it has that comedic tone, but it's not what I would have guessed, you know, when it was first announced, how it would look when it moved around is it's almost like right. um, puppets a little bit like papercraft. Mm-hmm. even it's uh it's really cool. Yeah. It's very distinct. Uh, I, I love the whole horse armor bit where, you know, you can buy the <laughs> horse armor in the game. It does nothing. It won't help you in any way. It, it literally sits in your inventory and is unusable. Very funny. I mean, so if that is the, level of humor i am in you know i just think it's so clever and self-reflexive it's great um yeah. but i i did want to ask you christian and, and do a you know you know i i i crow a lot when uh, jeff is right but uh we are actually having gotham knights now has been moved up its release date it's going to be released earlier than they said now so i, I guess i think that- you were allowed to do that right right that's my that was my opinion as well once you delay it enough it's still delayed right like they've delayed it several times so it's still this is like uh, it was delayed but now it's advanced (laughs) (laughs) exactly you have to go by the last release date that's all i got it got it it. it. the old two steps forward one step back philosophy 
Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm you know, Christian, I feel like you've been on a little bit of a roller coaster ride with your feelings on Gotham Knights. Are you? What, where roller are you, where coaster are you at ride. Now? It continues. I. I'm still kind of surprised that there's no, it seems, block button. Um, like, that was such an integral part of the Arkham franchise, is that counter. And here, everything looks like it's a dodge, um, which I think changes the, at least having not played it hands-on, changes the perceived flow of the combat, where you're either rolling toward or away from the enemy, versus in the arkham games even no matter what the character you were but as batman for example you know you're in the thick of it right you could stand there in the middle block parry stun and you kind of just stayed on people in the middle of this big fight scrum that i thought was really cool and gotham knights looks to not be doing that you know it looks like a different um but similar combat system and it looks like it's maybe built more for co-op then not like the, the the battle spaces look bigger and open and so i think there's a chance that it could play really well and be really fun with friends but uh, i i mean there's a boss that boss bottle with harley quinn and like numbers were popping off of her and and i think it was nightwing was doing the fighting was like flipping all over the place and doing all this stuff and then harley's life went down like one one thousandth of a thing and it's like <laughs> Well, that doesn't look fun. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little worried, but uh, you know, it's, I don't, yeah. The roller coaster continues, Jeff. I don't know. I don't know when to get off. <laughs> what about you, Dan? You're you know, you, you love comics. You love Batman. I do. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's actually a good lore explanation in uh, Gotham Knights. Batman dies at the beginning in a tragic blocking accident. So his <laughs> disciples have sworn to never again. They'll just take the hits or they will uh, just dodge away. <laughs> See, um, that makes sense. There you go. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm intrigued by this. It's always um, a big gamble when you're trying to make like a Batman game without Batman because, people, you know, there's a reason they made so many Arkham games. It's a lot of fun to fly around Gotham City and like repel off things and take down bad guys. Um, I do like the co-op element of this. I think that is kind of a, a more compelling hook for me um, because something with like uh, all the Arkham games, I was like, oh, this would be a blast if I could tool around in like a dynamic duo and have uh, a teammate mm-hmm. to explore this with and not just sort of like an AI sensibility. Um, so I- I'm intrigued, uh, but with like that, I think Gotham Knights was announced around a similar window as um, uh, Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League. And mm-hmm. I was kind of mm-hmm. just feeling a bit of like, open world DC overload. And I'm like, okay, I will, I will, I'm obviously going to play these. Uh, There's no, there's no question. I'm going to play them. It's a foregone conclusion. So I will just put them out of my mind until it's closer to the day. Yeah. Well, see, the day's getting closer. Uh I moved it up. There you go. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I think all of us agree that the Gamescom opening night live was, uh, fantastic as far as uh, things to chew on things to get excited about enough interesting stuff uh it may have been you know overlong but i thought it was just jam-packed with with goodness and much much better than our whatever not e3 we had this year um this became it was the, a, i think it the, was a scotch game for sure like a, a classic scotch game <laughs> still, you still have that tab open huh this is still a new that, tab these are these are best these are best openings okay. come on all right <laughs> All right. Well, um, before we move on, uh, I do need to thank our sponsor, which is Backbone. That's right. Backbone is sponsoring the show. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Christian would literally not shut up about how much he loved his Backbone for actual years. 
I finally got one. I have two now. In fact, I just got the new PlayStation backbone. It's uh, real and, nice. Uh, it's real nice, Jeff. You, you have one too, right? It's it there. Yeah. It, it feels like transforming your iPhone into a PlayStation controller. It's 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 really it's done really well. The buttons, you know, matching the PlayStation, it being smart enough to know and change those button prompts in game and in menu to match up. It's uh, it's real nice. It's real nice. Yeah, and you've been like I said, you've been uh, singing the praises of Backbone for a long, long time. You know, it, it this is the this is a game changing essential they call it that transforms your iPhone into a handheld console so you can play anywhere, anytime. And it really is that simple. You just you just pull it uh, apart, plop your iPhone in the middle, and it plugs right in. And then all of a sudden, you have console quality controls for iPhone games, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's it plugs into the lightning port, it clips in, and immediately, you know, you have the home that you can go to. You're playing games with a controller. All of the buttons are there that you need. There's no, yeah. oh, it Clickable doesn't have this. analog switch. sticks, you know, like, yep. that is huge because you, all of a sudden, now, now when you play Xbox, PlayStation, PC, App Store games, you can play remote play. I know you do that a lot, Christian. Uh, you can play remote play on there, and you have one-to-one. You've got triggers. You've got buttons. You're not trying to relearn how to control the game just because you're playing remotely right yep and with all the playstation games coming not even just remote play but coming to pc and playing streaming them that way as well to have a controller that has those playstation interfaces yeah it's like always takes that half second for me otherwise to be like no 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 spider-man square does this not x and it's really slick how it knows what controller you're using and, and makes those updates as needed in, in the games that i've been playing and feels good in the hand it ma- it's the same color scheme as the dual sense when you open it to put your phone in it has the playstation logo on the back that you see only when you open it and use it which like is silly but it's my favorite part of the playstation uh backbone it's really you cool. can uh you can play cloud gaming services like xbox game pass uh, and video geforce now and google stadia without even owning a console but if you do own a console, you can use Remote Play or Steam Link apps uh, to play PlayStation, Xbox, or PC games. Uh, TechCrunch called it the clo- the closest we've ever seen to a portable Xbox. And for Diablo fans, Backbone is now the official partner of Diablo Immortal. So not only is the game specifically optimized for Backbone, but you actually get $10 of in-game perks just by using the backbone this is in in addition to everything else backbone is currently offering free access to over 350 console games one month free of xbox game pass ultimate one month free of apple arcade two months free of google stadia pro and three months free of discord nitro but that's just for a limited time and only when you go to playbackbone.com/dlc Find your next adventure at playbackbone.com slash DLC. That's P-L-A-Y-B-A-C-K-B-O-N-E dot com slash D-L-C. All right, guys. Uh, I know that we uh, we got games to talk about that we've actually been playing. We went long on Gamescom. I thought it needed that. But there was other news that happened this week. And there's one piece of news that... You know, I don't think we can move on without e- talking about at least a little bit. And that yes, is the fact. Me too. I mean, what? Uh, what? What did you say? 
I said Destiny 2, but go ahead. Yeah, Destiny 2 had a had a presentation. We're probably not going to talk about it. <laughs> it looks really good. Trust me, <laughs> listeners, we will talk about it uh, right. later. Like, that was, yeah, was going to be your, your your story of the week, Christian, was the Destiny 2. Uh... Honestly, it was the d- new DualSense, and Destiny 2 stole the week from me. But yes, the All other right. thing is more newsworthy for well, sure. Well, now I'm Destiny stealing the conversation from you. I thought the most newsworthy <laughs> – I'm, I'm tempted to reinstall Destiny 2 for sure. But Destiny 2 Lightfall – literally using the light year logo from pixar it's like exactly the same look anyway it's very strange but uh, we can talk about that later but I, I do need to ask you guys about the fact that sony raised the price of playstation 5 across the world not here in the united states so i guess that's the silver lining of this pretty dark cloud but uh it's a strange thing where we've got the console has been constrained because of uh you know um uh, supply chain issues since covid for the last couple of years and it's been hard to get playstation 5s in most of the world and now the price is coming up jim ryan which is the president and ceo of sony um broke the news on the playstation blog and said it is quote a necessity given the current global economic environment and its impact on sony's business Dan, raising the price. I mean, this this is not a small price increase. It is taking place uh, in Canada, in Europe, in the Middle East, in Africa, in Asia, and Latin America. Uh, Japan is also going to get a price hike. It, it's um, it's a huge uh, increase in the price of a of a console that really hasn't gotten the install base that you would expect from this point in its time in its lifetime because of supply chain issues what's going on? Do you think this is a a bad move from them? Um, I mean, it's definitely not an easy pill to get consumers to swallow because it's already hard enough to get a PlayStation 5 if you didn't manage to find uh, the website that restocked them at the exact right moment in time. And then there's also been the ongoing uh, shortages related to uh, the microchips that power these consoles. So, it's 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 really brutal um, because you know uh, like you're saying they they don't have the install base that they wanted because they got just uh, sort of annihilated on their supply chain from the get go so you know it's it's almost like they're adjusting to the levels you would get charged by a scalper on like a third party <laughs> resale website yeah and the fact that they're doing it in one of their biggest markets um, in Japan as well is pretty telling that this is something that's very like essential to their business model. I'm curious why they're not raising the price in the US. Um, I feel Nobody like, whines like Americans. Yeah, we we are the loudest at whining. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, if you don't like it, we'll throw your tea in the harbor next and your <laughs> PS5. Um, yeah, it's uh it's I, I don't know. It's I think you're just going to see an influx of people purchasing PS5s here when they're on vacation, uh, like they do with other luxury goods uh, that are uh, expensive internationally, but for some reason slightly more affordable here. But um, yeah, it's I'm sure this is obviously at the end of the day motivated by um, getting their production costs down and to appease shareholders, but. If you're a consumer and like, you know, if you've been saving up your money for one of these consoles, like it's definitely, it definitely, it's hard to see. So, yeah. Um, yeah. There's no, there's no real silver lining to this. It doesn't sound like this is going to make them more available. It's just to help Sony's bottom line because their consoles have always been something of like a loss leader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the rumor was that the PS5 launched making a profit. It wasn't a big profit. Oh. But uh, that was the rumor. I don't know how much that's true. Um, 
Christian, we have had statements from Microsoft and from Nintendo saying they are not raising the prices of their consoles. Uh, so I guess that's good, you know, until they decide that that's not true anymore. But at least in the in the near term, that's not happening. Um, do you think, Christian, that this elongates the already uh, protracted period in which games are kind of cross-gen? Do you think we're going to see a longer uptake in this this new console generation cycle? Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like with Horizon and God of War on the horizon, it seemed and Gran Turismo Seven, it seemed like Sony was well positioned to connect their rooks. Um, oh, and now you will not let this die, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I feel he's like mad at me himself. for the Pinocchio sauce, and he's just going to continue beating the chess thing into the ground. <laughs> Chess is a long game, Jeff. We're not playing speed chess over, speed chess over here. Um, it, it is interesting, right? Because what, like as Dan mentioned, whether it was at a loss or Jeff, you know, if it was at a little bit of a profit, you know, the, the money that it seems like traditionally these console manufacturers companies make is from having that install base and making the money on the back half of that, the services that they provide, the licenses for the games, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So to have them sit there and say that they, you know, need this money in order to for business. It's like, how dire is the rest of the business? Like what would happen? What is the world where they don't raise prices? Do shareholders get just livid and, you know, it takes a real hit because they're not hitting some expectation of some profit forecast or some quarter. Cause I think people will ultimately swallow this because it has been so hard to find. And as Dan mentioned, you know, third party resellers have been, exploiting that and so it does feel like if you can find one in stores it's still probably cheaper than what you're going to have to pay to get one before if you weren't like hanging out you know waiting for those restocks to happen when they did but it's it's not a good feeling and i think this is maybe the first time we're kind of going through it right now the same thing is true in the automobile industry where i I was reading as we're recording this today that ford is opening up uh, reservations again for 2023 mustang mach e's but I think it's like $8,000 more expensive than it used to be. And like for the F-150 Lightning, the next round of that, I think is going to be $15,000 more. And Rivian does the same thing where it's, you know, and Tesla did it for their self-driving quote unquote software. It's like, now it's this much money. And it, it, it it doesn't, it never feels good. (laughs) Well, electronics have become like a fine wine now, you know, they get aged (laughs) to perfection. (laughs) This is, this is two years, right? This is the domino effect of me not buying a PSP leading to this uh, dramatic (laughs) hit to their finances. (laughs) The the meme of the little domino getting larger and larger. Yeah. This is the monkey paw for Gotham Knights getting moved ahead. (laughs) (laughs) It comes with a price. (laughs) Froger. But at, yeah. at the same time, it's like, it, this makes me think of, it was E3 like 2013 um, when backwards compatibility and uh, like DRM was a big deal. And um, I think it was Sony, like Xbox One had like a very restrictive procedure where they would like automatically yes. check your disc like 24, like once every 24 hours. And Sony yeah. was like, hey, guess what? We're not going to do that, 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 and that. And they just took over the the news cycle. And here they're just handing an instant PR win to Microsoft and Nintendo where they can just be like, guess what? Our consoles are staying the same price. 
I guess this is better for your production bottom line, but we're going to win in the long term if this keeps up because people are just going to buy our thing because it's cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. It, it is baffling to me and, and, and I can only imagine it, it was a, a real necessity because it feels like such a hard thing to message and a hard thing to, uh, it just can you, raises so many problems for them. It just feels like, wow, what, what was going wrong that this needed to happen? Like you get the Target weekly ad and you open it up and you're like, oh, yeah, PlayStation 5s have gone up. Oh, wait, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Right? That's an old commercial. Uh, last week I bought this and today I saw this. Anybody remember that? No. Uh, I okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Uh, let's uh, talk about the games that we've been talking about in a segment we call the playlist. Dan Casey, what has been on your playlist lately? So I've been uh, on the go lately. I've been traveling a little bit. I was just moving as well. So a lot of my consoles were packed up. My PC was in the shop. So I finally got to put my Steam Deck through the paces. Mm, and yeah. I started playing a game that I've been meaning to play for a long time. Uh, and it is Yakuza 0. Um, takes place in 1988 uh, in the uh, halcyon days of uh, the economic boom times in Japan, um, set in uh, the Kamurocho Award, modeled after Shinjuku in uh, Tokyo in the game. And it's basically, it's Grand Theft Auto-esque, but there's such a humanist strain running through this game. It's so preposterous with some of its quest lines, but there's a real thoughtfulness to it. And shout out to the localization team who are just do an incredible job. But if you've been to japan this will make you feel like you were right back there in the best way possible they have so many tiny little details so many mini games you can spend hours and hours of your life playing and it's uh, it also just runs so well on the uh steam deck it like my, my only complaint about the steam deck is uh uh, my hands get tired after a while because it's so, like wider and heavier than um like a switch for example uh, they yeah. need to make a backbone for the steam that sounds deck. like that sounds like steam deck's problem with you dan <laughs> yeah not, uh... my weak baby wrists uh, can't handle its raw processing power uh, yeah i've definitely had that I, I love how big it is i truly do but i've definitely had that thing where i'm i'm playing in bed or or lying down on the couch or something horizontal and so my my hands are perpendicular to my body and or my arms are and i get that tingling feeling like all the blood has left my hands you know it's not good not call good. that gamer wrist <laughs> yeah yeah our like, uh our wednesday listeners will remember that i was in japan in the fall jeff so um yeah, yeah. i like not that. not this what, last what, fall a fall no, at some point fall. dan don't get it the confused why, uh, you, it, why are you absolutely beautiful in the fall yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially Why the fall of 1998 now? it was the very yeah. beautiful that fall <laughs> why yakuza now dan like what was it just you'd been meaning to get to it you've heard it yeah, run so, great on steam deck and yeah I, jump I, in on zero with steam deck i was like i so i i had played yakuza like a dragon the most recent mm. entry that shifted it from sort of a uh, open world action adventure game to an open world then turn-based rpg which i love um but yakuza zero it's a game that i always meant to go back and play and you know, I was like, I started, I was, I was on the plane uh, and I was like, okay, 
some of the games I want to play right now, I'm like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for Disco Elysium. I feel like playing World of Horror might freak out the person sitting next to me. So I'm going to go with something that uh, will, like has a good story, has just like a fun combat system. And I just got sucked in because I had started playing years ago and then just got busy with work or something. I was like, I'll come back to it. And then after playing uh, Like a Dragon, I was like, oh, the Yakuza series is genuinely phenomenal and I want to explore more of it. So it seemed like the sort of perfect time for that. I've heard that Zero is very, very good. And it's fantastic. Yeah. It's I, definitely a good point to jump in on because it is a prequel. So you don't necessarily need to know. Um, you know, I feel like some people when they'd see like Yakuza seven or eight, like what the how many are there? You don't yeah. need to you don't need to know this. And if you want to play those those earlier games, that's I think that's what the Yakuza Kiwami games are. And I it's a series that I have never touched, and I've I've heard many people recommend it, especially Zero. And um, I got to get around. And he, there's something about playing it on the Steam Deck that seems like that's a really fun way to experience that game. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah, it's, it's just it evokes travel memories while I'm traveling. So it just <laughs> it's like yeah. the like the double dopamine hit of like, oh, yeah, I'm like on a plane going somewhere. And oh, this makes me think of like one of my favorite trips of my life. So it's just it was really nice. That's awesome. Yakuza Zero. And that's what's on Dan's playlist. Christian Spicer. What about you? What do you got? On your playlist. Yeah, it, it, it works well as we were talking about Backbones earlier. Um, I dove into um, the newest Apple Arcade release, or I guess the newest, biggest Apple Arcade release, which is Jetpack Joyride 2, which certainly does not require a Backbone. Of all of the phone gaming I do, a lot of it, I, I greatly prefer it with a controller. Um, Jetpack Joyride 2 can be played on the touchscreen just fine. I still prefer clicking my controller in, though, and playing it that way. And I don't know if either of you... Uh, Jeff, do you remember Jetpack Joyride? The, I remember the way back? it. I remember it, but I don't... It wasn't one of those games that I played a ton of, so no. Dan, were you a, were you a Jetpacker back in the day? Uh, I was not. Um, I said, uh, the sky is for birds, and I will not <laughs> join them. He says in a plane playing a video game. Yeah, Yeah. cool, cool, cool. Principal Uh, response. Jetpack Joyride 2 is very much Jetpack Joyride, which neither of you know anything about. Uh, To some (laughs) extent, it is an endless runner-esque, but there are ends to levels. And I think uh, Flappy Bird, you know, with that type of you're tapping the screen to move your character up and down where there's precision in the end precision of it. You know, you can't be exactly where you want to be as you fire your jetpack up and down. And then you're auto-shooting to clear the obstacles in front of you, the enemies in front of you. And the first game was one of those, uh, not earliest, but still early mobile game hits that kind of everybody seemed to be playing. Everybody, again, except for Dan and Jeff. Um, But everyone else (laughs) seemed to be uh, playing back in the day. And I was shocked that this second game came out as an Apple Arcade exclusive to me, that kind of raised more questions than anything of like, what is that changing landscape of mobile where we have stuff like Diablo immortal and uh, apex legends and, you know, these big console PC franchises and call of duty of course is, is there as well, planting their flag on that mobile space to get some of that money. And Genshin impact is still huge on mobile and also a huge uh, file to have on your phone. (laughs) It's a very uh, big game to install now. And then Jetpack Joyride, which, you know, made a, you'd have to imagine a profitable run as a a standalone game back in the day, now has tied its horse to a subscription service. And whatever cut 
they're getting from Apple or however those deals are arranged. Like five, six years ago, I had an understanding of what those deals are. I'm not sure if they've changed now or not. I know back then there were discussions of, of changing them and how publishers would get paid. But I, I think it's really interesting that a game that is kind of, in my opinion, a marquee mobile game went the Apple Arcade exclusivity route. And in playing the game itself, it felt oddly nostalgic where like having not played the original in many years, I, I couldn't tell you exactly what's different about two versus one. It's still the same basic. You're progressing through the levels and you're shooting things and you upgrade your stuff and you know, whatever. And you kind of move on. And it kind of had that feeling of, uh, Oh, revisiting a friend, you know, revisiting a franchise that you spent a lot of time with in doctor's waiting rooms and stuff and stuff like that. Um, the thing I think that keeps me from really recommending it in a few Apple arcade games do this. It still feels bogged down with a lot of mobile BS, you know? So there aren't microtransactions in it where I need to pay more money to do this, that, or the other, but like, I'll finish a run. Then I go back to the hub and then tap this screen and then tap that and then watch this thing ding. And then I have eight currencies. So I got to go use my currencies to then tap in this, to then do that, to then upgrade this, to then tap that, to then go play and then run again. And it, I'm assuming it's meant to be a compelling gameplay loop that keeps me wanting to engage in the world. And it just felt busy and tiring to me where what I like about the game is the the running, the jetpacking and gunning. I, I think that loop is very fun and satisfying, but like all like the use your core to do this. And that gives you uh, thingies and use your thingies to do this. And now go to your factory. You got to manage your factory to make sure that you're getting this. If you tap here, you get your daily reward. And Dan, I don't have time for the all too many of those games <laughs> anymore. It's so true. And it yeah, me I, out a little bit. I definitely, I definitely know what you mean. Uh, I feel like any game sometimes that has dailies, that's like uh, a trap for me. Cause I'm like, I know, I know myself too well. Uh, if I get too sucked into that kind of gameplay loop, I will have to log in to do it. So mm. the only thing that I'm like trying to make myself do in that vein is like Duolingo. Cause I'm like, at least I'm learning something <laughs> in the process uh, while this yeah. bird screams at me. But I, I, I hear you on that, uh, in that regard, for sure. There's so much bloatware that comes with the modern mobile gaming landscape where it just gets in the way of having a like clean experience. And I know a lot of these are meant to be sort of bite-sized, like, hey, you play for like five, 10 minutes, and then you put it down, come back later. But sometimes it just really makes that feel insurmountable. Yeah, that that is the impression. That, I mean, I that is how Jetpack Joyride 2 made me feel. There was more doing the stuff that I wasn't having fun with than doing the stuff I was having fun with. And I just got uh, uh, mobile game feeling from it. Um, the other game that I that I played, Splatoon 3, had its uh, Splatfest world premiere this weekend as we are recording. And it is another game, kind of like Jetpack Joyride 2, how I think it's an interesting case study of, you know, joining Apple Arcade, and, and that's the way that the sequel to a big mobile game gets released. I'm curious if any other game would be a big release, like Splatoon 3, in today's shooter landscape where it has a single player and they haven't talked a lot about it at first it seemed like it'd be pretty radically different than what splatoon 2's was and now the more i hear about it it seems like it's fairly similar especially to the um, dlc that came out for splatoon 2 um, after release 
And the new thing for Splatfest now, Splatfest used to be you would pick a team. It'd be like, what's better, ketchup or mustard? And you'd go into the town and you'd pick, you know, which one you like. And so you were on team ketchup. And so team ketchup would battle team mustard for a weekend. And then, you know, whoever, whichever team won the most battles is like ketchup is the supreme champion of, of Splatoon world or whatever. And it was fun, silly rivalries. And, you know, you'd, I'd have friends that would pick, you know, like really mustard. I mean, I like mustard, but like ketchup, you can use on some, so it's like, there's fun, those cheesy conversations. Right. And this one in Splatoon three, it's three things. So this one was rock, paper, scissors, and you picked your team. And then the first half is that standard turf war Splatoon fight where you're it's two teams head to head 4v4 and you're painting, you know, the territory and trying to have the, the control of the most territory and the winner wins, the person with the most wins, the team with the most, sorry. And then the second half of it is where it's new for Splatoon 3, where it's 4v2v2. So not 7v3 like Killer Clowns, it's 4v2v2. <laughs> where the team that's in first um so like rock in this past one is four players and then scissors and paper are each attacking and so it's just really in theory i think interesting mechanic of you know uh the enemy of my enemy is my friend you know kind of approach where i'm going to go at we're both going to team up on this team of four that's in the lead but also i might take you down too because then i'll have even more territory and that will further help my cause in playing it it felt the same <laughs> like it didn't that those games to me the 4v2v2 didn't feel fundamentally different and i didn't feel like strategies emerged of like oh this feels radically different now because we're in this shifted uh numbers landscape to take people down i was still doing the same basic thing which is super fun i love splatoon um but i i had hoped that that second half of the splat fest would feel somehow fundamentally different and it did not but what i find fascinating about it is that i do think it seems like you know the multiplayer side of things splatoon 3 is a full priced retail game and it's also known as a weekend in Fortnite. And I'm super curious how many other companies can pull off this type of release, but Nintendo. Um, and Jeff, I'm curious to see kind of where that shakes out as it goes forward. Like how many more multiplayer, mostly, games get these box copies that get trotted out as full releases? It's, yeah. a, it's an interesting time. It is an interesting time. It is. Uh, I, it, it sounds like you're not as high on Splatoon 3 as you thought you were going to be. I, I love it, and I'm I'm hopeful that the single player uh, is great and pulls me in. As is, I you know after the Splatfest ended, I went and played Splatoon two again. <laughs> you know, which is there. Yeah. So the big the biggest improvement, honestly, and the reason why I'll probably buy Splatoon three and probably two copies, is because Splatoon two had the biggest glaring problem: you couldn't play with your friends. You straight up, you and I could not play and be on the same team. We could play but together. Also friends and, couldn't play together. That's true. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Dan and I couldn't play together. Good point, <laughs> Jeff. Thank you for clarifying that. But it would just it would shuffle you. You wouldn't be on the same team. A lot of you, there was no way to control that, and that did not <laughs> did not feel good. But you go and play Splatoon together. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're battling each other. Well, this sucks. Uh, how was your weekend? <laughs> you know, it's just a different game. And three has rectified that. So I think the kids and I will get a lot out of it, being able to actually sit and play together versus me 
guys just kicking their ass when they were on the other team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But it didn't feel, the Splatfest didn't feel as fresh as I thought it would when they had first announced this change. Mm. Interesting. Well, that's Jetpack Joyride 2 and Splatoon 3. Um, I checked out a new game this week that just hit Xbox Game Pass. Uh, And honestly, I'm I'm surprised, Christian, that uh, this hasn't been something you've been playing or at least wasn't on your radar. Maybe it is. And Played I it a while know. ago. Talked about it on the show. Pew, pew. Thanks Did for Did you really? Yeah, buddy. Oh. All right. Well, Midnight Fight Express. I guess I'll be <laughs> redundant and talk about it again. Uh, did you like it? <laughs> I really like it. And I feel the thing that holds it back is I think it leaves too many of the skills uh, to be unlocked. It Agreed. feels weird that you can't parry at the beginning, if that makes sense. Yeah, so Midnight Fight Express uh, just hit Xbox Game Pass. Uh, I guess, did you play it before it was, it, when it was just a purchasable game? Is that the idea? Uh, well, uh, there was an early, on PC, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a beat-em-up, a, a full-on, uh, you know, beat-em-up style game like, like Christian likes, like the TMNTs and, and uh, uh, you know, the classic uh, move from one room to another, beat up all the dudes in the room and move to the next room and uh, Batman I, style fighting mixed in or some Spider-Man style, you know, John yeah, I mean, it's, simulator, it's, you know, it, it, it is. I feel like it's TMNT by way of Batman Arkham games, mm. right? It's, but it still yeah. really has its roots in, you know, um, double dragon and stuff like that, where you're, you're beat, beat, beat. And there's a guy who comes on stream with a baseball bat and you punch him and he drops the baseball bat. Now you can pick that yeah. up and beat, beat, beat. It's got that DNA. But I think the biggest difference is that it's isometric top down, which is a is a viewpoint that for whatever reason I always have loved. I just I just click more with games from that perspective. Um, I, maybe it's my love of the Ultima games or or whatever. But it it is uh, it's a viewpoint that I'm always drawn to, and I've never really seen uh, a game that is exactly like this done in that. I mean, there probably are examples of them that I'm just not thinking of, but. I, I found it to be an interesting uh, take on that. And it very much is a button masher. Uh, you, it ha- does have uh, RPG elements thrown in to spice things up slightly where you can, as you said, Christian, uh, unlock new skills, unlock you know parries and, and throws and grapples and stuff. Uh, and you do need to unlock those in a, in a sort of very simplistic RPG system. And it is, a, it is unfortunate that that's the case because you you know you get cooler stuff as you go along and if you gotta you gotta make choices between cool stuff and sometimes you put uh effort into unlocking things that end up not being as cool or not being as useful and you get into boss fights and then you can't do those certain things because the boss is just like no can't do that um so all of it is not perfectly done but if you like games like this i think there's enough here i mean the story is nothing to even pay attention to it really is a purely mechanical, you know, walk into a room, beat up a bunch of dudes, uh, try to keep your your combo multiplier up a la Batman, uh, which is 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 fun. It's fun. I think the game looks sharp. Um, it moves. The, the, the bad guys have variety. It's kind of what you're looking for from a game like this uh, without ex- sort of exceeding any expectations. Yes. But yes. it's also on Game Pass now. And so if you have Game Pass... There's no reason not to download it. You know that that's the big selling point for me there because based on your description, I don't know if I would purchase that as a standalone, but because I have Game Pass, I will probably give this a shot. And that's how I find so many gems that way, like a uh, Citizen Sleeper, another recent yeah. Game Pass that 
I just kind of like bowled me over. I really, I tore through it in a weekend. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to check this out now. Yeah. Again, it's called Midnight Fight Express. And uh, unlike Christian, I, you know, I didn't have to pay extra for it. So it's a solo, solo dev. I think Lana and I talked about it too, maybe on a Wednesday show where the dev did a bunch of great behind the scenes stuff on their Twitter. So if you're mm-hmm. looking for that stuff, their Twitter over the years has been incredible in terms of the, the uh, learnings that they put out as they worked through this game. And I think for me, the thing that like, it's so close to what my perfect game almost is. Right. And I think that's why I'm kind of, a little more let down by it. I think it's a very good game, but it's just, Oh, it's so close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to scratching all of the itches that I would want. It, yeah. It, it, I don't think it is uh, doing anything that elevates it to being a must play, but it is, I think it, it, it delivered several hours of fun for me. I mean, it's not super long game either, but it, it delivered several hours of fun. I downloaded it on game pass. I played it on my PC you know, it, it's, that's the world we're in now where it's it's like, yeah, it's yeah. worth a few hours of fun. There's, there's, if you already subscribed to Game Pass, there's no reason not to play it. Give it a shot. Have a good time and then move yeah. on to something else. You know, it's it's. Um, I think <laughs> it's you can just cool. stream it from the cloud, too. You don't even need to download it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, that is uh, that's kind of what I've been playing. I was, you know, gone all weekend, but that I put some hours into that it was fun. All right. Uh. You know, actually, before we go, we just have a couple minutes uh, extra. So I wanted to actually ask you, Dan, about uh, Citizen Sleeper. Tell me why you liked it so much. So Citizen Sleeper, um, I'd heard good things. I was in the mood for kind of a, uh, not quite cyberpunky, but like just a good sci-fi single player game. I had been playing a ton of multiplayer games lately, and I wanted a good like story-driven single player game. So I booted it up, and it's a really thoughtful, uh, well-told uh, adventure game with like sort of like life sim management aspects a little bit too. You have a couple different resources you're managing, but the, 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 the central conceit of it is really neat. You know, you are this, um, sort of android type uh, person known as a sleeper who wakes up on a space station in deep space. It's kind of in like the late stages of capitalism where it used to be this thriving mining colony. Now people still live there and like eke out a living, but it's definitely not, uh, in its glory days and you know you have to kind of decide what kind of life do you want for yourself do you want to try and uh, integrate yourself into the ecosystem of the space station do you want to uncover the mysteries that lie beneath its framework do you want to try and like blast off out of there and like join a pirate crew there's so many ways this can go there's like six or seven different endings and it's a game that really you know a lot of these games where they try to give you kind of like a, a something to do make like a moral choice this has like really thoughtful implications for whatever you choose you can really see well i i want to choose to save myself but or i could sacrifice my ticket off this space station to help someone in need so there's a lot of different um like really thoughtful uh, storytelling aspects to it and a lot of replay value especially if you want to experience all of those multiple endings and the soundtrack is absolute banger uh something i've put on just when i'm writing uh during work hours and it's just really helpful to kind of get in the zone for it so just a phenomenal experience top to bottom awesome that is citizen sleeper it's also on game pass um you mentioned not uh not having played uh disco elysium yet but if if you like Citizen Sleeper, I think you're going to love Disco Elysium. It's oh, so I, I have played. I have played oh. some Disco Elysium. Um, I, I'm. That's a game that I fully intend to get back to. That was one I was like, 
I think I was on deadline for something and I had to be like, I'm uninstalling you because I will not be able to resist your siren call if I do not get <laughs> like I will just play you and then I will have to start my life as an alcoholic police officer with amnesia instead. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Dan Casey, thank you so much for being here, man. It's always awesome to chat with you. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and the stuff that you do online. Yes. Uh, so in case you didn't get enough of my dulcet tones right now, uh, you can find me online at Dan Casey on Twitter and at Osteoferocious on Instagram, like the bone disease, but meaner. And you can find me each and every day over on Nerdist.com, overthinking all forms of pop culture. Awesome. Yeah. Dan puts out such great content all the time. He's awesome. So definitely check it out if you have not. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, listeners of this show will know that I do a newsletter where I write long form about video games in a conversational uh, tone, like we're hanging out chatting games. It's called Let's Chat Games, and you can subscribe to it for free over at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. I do about one to two a month, and then when I'm not traveling, after the written one comes out, I do video versions of them that I post on DLC's Patreon, which is patreon.com slash pod. And I'm putting the finishing touches on this most recent one. I think it will probably go out. We're recording Sunday night, probably Monday, Monday evening. This most recent, this next one. And it's about uh, video game adaptations. Uh, you know, I think we talked about it as a story of the week for a couple of weeks now, various Pac-Man and Gran Turismo and all of these other adaptations are getting out. Twisted Metal just wrapped. Horizon has a director attached to it. Gravity Rush is being adapted. It's the gold rush of a video game to screen adaptation. So this month's newsletter is kind of my thoughts on all those. And folks can, again, get it over at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer if they're interested in that. And my other... Uh, long form musings about uh, video games and I guess now chess opening as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for that, I guess. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, other podcasts that I'm involved with include, but are not limited to, <laughs> the film cast, which you can find uh, us talking about movies and TV shows. Uh, good times over there. I think we're reviewing... Um, uh, the Samaritan, the new uh, Sylvester Stallone movie this week. Uh, and uh, I do also do uh, the uh, uh, comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com, where you can learn stuff and laugh along the way. Uh, and then the, uh, the fan-controlled show, which is uh, uh, ostensibly about sports because it's involved with fan-controlled sports and entertainment. But we talk about all sorts of crazy stuff over there. It's a good time. Uh, you can find that as a podcast now uh, on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the places you get podcasts. It's on YouTube, and we also stream live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash FCF. And you can also always email us here at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. I also, you know, I never mention it, but I should more often. Uh, if you'd like uh, to pick up some merch from our show, you can go to dlcswag.com, dlcswag.com. You can get shirts and hats and, and cool stuff with our logo, uh, which was designed by Corey Schmitz. Uh, it's, it's very cool. So uh, check that out. I should mention that more often. Fail to 
plug the merch. Uh, all right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Dan, do you have something to help people get through their week? Yes, I do. Folks, there's never been a better time for you to get into Warhammer 40K. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Dan, I love having money. Hey, I have a much more affordable way for you to get into this oddly expensive hobby. It's called Warhammer 40K Kill Team. Now, if you remember exactly 100 years ago, they had a version of this called Mordheim, which was a small scale game for sort of Warhammer fantasy units. This is the same thing, but for the sci-fi action of Warhammer 40K, you have a an army of anywhere between 8 and 20 units max, which is much more manageable than anyone else who's played this game before. If you don't know, Warhammer 40K made by Games Workshop. It is a tabletop miniature war game, and it is a ton of fun because you get to build these, you get to paint them to your heart's content, and there's so much, so many years and decades of lore and rules to unravel, and it's always a blast, especially if you're doing it with a group of friends. Um, over the pandemic, I started playing uh, Warhammer 40k Kill Team with some buddies, and it's been a great bonding. It's also a bonding exercise. It's also been a great way to do something that's tactile. It is an offline hobby where you can just sit down, you can build some miniatures, put on some music, listen to a podcast or an audiobook, and paint them. And it's a very zen experience, which I cannot recommend enough. And there are Warhammer Warhammer stores and hobby shops all over the country. There's probably one in your town if you haven't been yet, and they would love to teach you and tell you exactly how you can get involved. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, that is a Warhammer 40K Kill Team. Uh, very, very cool. I, I, I've always been so intimidated by painting minis. Uh, I just feel like I'd be awful at it. Oh, no, don't be intimidated. If it sucks, you can always repaint it. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's just paint. Exactly. Amazing. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What uh, what do you got for a parting gift? Surprising no one, it's another music recommendation. Uh, this week, uh, Black Bear's new album came out the Friday before we were recording this. It's called In Loving Memory. Uh, I really enjoy Black Bear. He's on that um, modern pop punk tip. Um, collabs with Machine Gun Kelly a lot and Ian Dior as well. And this new album, In Loving Memory, collabs with The Used, collabs with newfound glory machine gun kelly again also bayside um and it, it's a really this album especially leans more into that pop punk sound especially if you want to just give one song a spin i would do the second song on the album it's called dead inside and it is it has the pop punk like woo you know like let's go feel and uh it's incredible and it also really marries what you know, the artists in that space are doing now, whereas before pop punk was very much, I, mean, I would do jokes about this in, in my stand up before, but like, you know, my dad's a lawyer and my mom's a doctor, but also I'm still sad. Um, and it's just like, like the suburbs are weird. Let's go skate. Um, and now it's people are sad about serious things, uh, <laughs> but still doing it to catchy uh, up strumming and guitar riffs. Um, Black Bear's new album in loving memory. And if you like pop punk or think you might like it at all, uh, give song to dead inside a spin. It is not, um, uh, it is explicit that particular song. So don't play it with kids bopping in the car, but otherwise well worth the three minutes or whatever it ends up taking you to listen to. Very cool. Uh, my parting gift is, uh, if you're looking for ways to start your chess games, there are yes! a yeah, I knew database. It! 
users have generated an entire database. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Google it. Google it live on the show. I'll tell you. It's like the, every, like there's like one like how to create a database, and everything else is chess openings. That's why I didn't need to open tabs, Jeff. I had it open. They're all there. <laughs> Uh, it is really cool. Uh, it is. Uh, tell me again who, who the user is. You, you had it and I didn't even write it down. Subside. Subside. Thank you. Subside. Amazing. Incredible amount of work compiling all of our, uh, goofy, uh, starts to the show. Uh, and, and I'm hoping that, you know, other people can jump in and, and collaborate on this and, and, you know, really create a, anything that is remotely useful for anybody. Uh, but it's just awesome to have somebody dedicate that much time and energy because this person had to listen to all of our shows, it, it, painstakingly listen and wait until we said the dumb thing at the beginning. That's amazing. Uh, so the community, check, yeah, it blows me away. Like the, and inviting us into their ear holes every week. Like it's uh it sounds sappy and like, but just, just the best. It blows me away. Every, caring. every, every, every week. Caring about the dumb things we say is amazing. Uh, so thank you for caring. And uh, th- th- it's part of, it's on the Discord, right? The the link to this uh, database? Yes. Yeah. It's an Airtable links on Discord. Yeah. Airtable, which it actually made me discover Airtable and install Airtable on my phone for the first time. I was like, oh, this could be useful to organize my life. Um, I also, uh, because- Making Christian- the list. Wait, wait, Jeff. What? Making the list is not doing the list. We've talked about this. But Downloading I- Airtable won't help you. But I loaded it. <laughs> But I did it. I did it. I'm done. I'm going to sleep. Um, okay, good, good. Speaking of sleep, I didn't get much this weekend because I did uh, I did Hood to Coast for the first time. Uh, and and you know, I wasn't going to mention it, but uh, I figured I might add an, an extra little parting gift because Christian spoiled the, be- the other one at the beginning of the show. Um, but I did, I did Hood to Coast. It was quite an experience. We'll talk more about it on the Wednesday show with Lana uh, because we kind of set up, you know, will Jeff survive? And it turns out, barely. Uh, find out more on Wednesday, but <laughs> Hood to Coast is a uh, 200 mile uh, nonstop relay that start started for us at uh, three o'clock in the morning oh on uh, Friday and uh, ended about oh I don't know seven o'clock in the morning on Saturday, and we did not sleep uh, or eat. Oh, congrats, man! That's awesome. It's it was awesome. really incredible. It was really, really incredible. I'll tell more about it uh, on the on the on Paige DLC show uh, for patrons. But um, the reason I bring it up for a parting gift is, uh, you know, do something that you don't think you can do because uh, I did, and it, it feels amazing. Um, it, you know, I'm paying for it a bit with my what with the pain in my body, <laughs> but um, you know, that's not the part that I want to really focus on. <laughs> uh, but it's it's amazing to uh, do something that you don't think you can do. So you know, maybe try that. Uh, we also got a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to dlcfeedback at gmail.com It was sent to us uh, from the UK. George Street sent us this from the UK. He says, uh, uh, "Hi, my name is George, longtime listener and patron here from the UK. I love listening to the show each week, and thank you very much for your great work. Uh, I'd like to share a parting gift." Now, it is to do with video games, but not playing them as much as watching them. Uh, I love From Software Souls games and all the lore behind them, but absolutely suck at playing them. The term get good just isn't working for me. I've tried Elden Ring and also Demon Souls on the PS5 to no avail. So I started to look at playthroughs on YouTube. I found a channel by the name of Christopher Odd, 
And since finding him, I've watched his whole playthroughs of Elden Ring, Bloodborne, Sekiro, and Demon Souls. In his Elden Ring slash Bloodborne playlist, it's a blind playthrough, meaning it's also the first time Chris plays and witnesses the game. So all the surprises, lore, figuring out the bosses, and so on are all enjoyable, even though I'm not playing the game. I found myself on the edge of my seat and shouting at the TV, cheering Chris on as he's about to slay a massive boss, but is also about one shot away from being killed himself. It's thrilling. Chris commentates his way through figuring out the game and is a very skilled gamer, really funny, odd, like his name suggests, and overall just a very cool dude. And thanks to him, I've been able to enjoy some of the most brilliant games out there today. I highly recommend his channel for playthroughs of games people are really interested in, but just cannot play for whatever reason. He uploads most new games on YouTube and also live streams between YouTube and his Twitch channel, which I believe is the same username, uh, although I stick with his YouTube channel. Anyway, check him out, DLC people, and keep up the amazing work on the show. Thank you, George. Again, that is a Christopher Odd, O-D-D, Odd. Uh, and uh, that is uh, Chris, uh, George's parting gift. If you want to have your parting gift on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you do that. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Dan Casey and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for the awesome bumpers. Thanks to our theme song composers, White Cube, which is Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Uh, Thanks to each and every one of you listening, but in particular, thanks to our top-tier patrons, our hype-trained patrons. Get a shout-out at the end of every episode which we will do right now. It's the most wonderful time of the show. I should not sing. I wish I could. I shouldn't, though. I'm not good at it. I'd love to be able to, but I can't. Do you know what I can do, though? Yep. Thank the Hype Train patrons. Shoduken! It's just fun to say. It's just fun to say. It's just fun to say. You can say it over and over again. Fun to say. Always fun to say. Comedian Aaron Trahan Curtis from Louisville. They're all fun to say. I'm not I'm not saying the others aren't. Relentless Rex. Good. That's fun to say. Michael S. Kyle Starr. Riley Knox. Rob Rixman. Hank Patton. Cheesy Bob. Victor Valenzuela. Matt Bradley. Jeff Luxack. Mitchell Ness. Jimmy Radcliffe. Scott Hughes. Jenny. Nate. Zachary White. Yick. Soren Silk. They're all fun to say. Yick. That's fun to say. It's fun to say. Soren Silk, fun to say. Travis, Jackson, Michael Stadler, Nick Strauss-Klein, Josh Peake, Taylor Wigert, Jason Novak, Octavian Ratziu, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo. Also, again, they're all fun to say, but Lombardo, it's fun to say. I also like the L and the B and the D, like the nice verticality of the last name. Looks good looks good spice man silencer which you're welcome there's been a lot of that recently but they'll be he's coming back you can't you can't get rid of him you know albert for hell de dios jonathan spice man forever schlepplifer Stu goss kevin brazel which i don't know why kevin but i always think of dazzler uh underused fantastic i'm dating myself uh fantastic comic book character i love dazzler I love Dazzler. I don't think she's been given her due yet. Maybe she'll get a Disney Plus. Oh my God. Could you imagine? 
I would love, okay, Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jonathan Putney, Will with one L Harris, Chris Zacharias, but seriously, a Dazzler show set in like the late 80s, early 90s. It'd be good. It'd be really good. I'll write it. Okay, give, someone give me a call. Let's get this done. Uh, <laughs> right? Okay, Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, Adam Denby, Sasan, Dan Flanagan, Anthony Goulas, Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Sisko, David Epp. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. It means the world to us. Now let's go make a Dazzler TV show, right? Come on. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.